Thank you so much for choosing to listen to the Refuge podcast today. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Now here's an inspiring message from one of our leaders or pastors that will help you grow in your relationship with God. Now as, as we are moving in this series, the series is entitled Zoe, which really is talking about the life of God or life as he experiences it. And today we're talking about his ascension. We're looking at different aspects of the life of Jesus. We looked at um, his, his death, his resurrection, his, well, his life, his death, his resurrection, now his ascension. And next week we'll be looking at his return, which I believe is probably the most significant message relating to our time. So next week you want to come and I encourage you to bring somebody because we're going to be talking about the return of Christ and what that is going to do in this, to this planet when that time period occurs. But we're looking at his ascension, and when we think about ascension, there's different things that may come to mind. Uh, one of the things that may come to mind is um, uh, the mini TV series. You know, I haven't really watched that, so I don't know anything about it. Um, or uh, there's, a, there's another aspect in, in today's world uh, Ascension is the largest nonprofit healthcare system in the United States. And so that's, that's a good thing. That's a positive thing. Uh, or Ascension is this deck building game, and I know nothing about that. So however you relate or connect to Ascension, we want to bring a biblical perspective to you this morning so that you can understand the significance of what this has and how it rela- what this has to do with our lives and how we can relate to ascension. And so, uh, in my opinion, ascension is not given significant attention. Ascension is actually defined as the act of rising or ascending, especially the act of moving to a higher or more powerful position. And in, in this case, the ascension of Jesus it's his ascension to, to the throne, to where he can rule and reign. And so I want to share again our theme verse that we've been sharing when we, we've been talking about the life of God. We find it in John chapter 10, verse 10. And I'm reading from the Amplified Bible. And so turn there if you would, and you can look in your version. As we look to the Word, uh, let's uh, read this, and then we're going to pray. John 10, 10, the thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full until it overflows. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for this opportunity to minister your word. I thank you for your sense of presence in this place and how you're moving in each of our lives. We look to you and we give you praise and glory. Give us understanding as we look to your word so that we can come to a greater understanding to know about your ascension and how that relates to our lives. In Jesus' name, we give you praise. Now, looking at this passage again, we see Jesus talking about bringing life. And the Greek word we find here is zoe, which simply means life as God experiences it. It's, it's related to eternal life, living forever. So it's a quality of life that God himself experiences and he wants to share it with us. 
I believe that one encounter with his life will change your life forever. And I trust that today God will begin to move on your behalf in the way to bring significant difference so that when you leave this place, you can leave with a fresh hope. You can leave encouraged. You can leave built up. You can leave free from baggage that may be just wanting to hang on to your life so that you can walk in a greater dimension of the life of God. Now, what is your understanding of ascension? And so we, this morning we want to consider that. We want to consider the event as well as the impact from God's perspective or from his vantage point. The ascension actually is Jesus' departure from this earth, and, and we see the account of it in a moment. We're going to read that. In fact, find your place in Acts chapter 1, because we're going to read the very account of the event of Jesus' ascension. But the ascension is Jesus' departure from this planet. The narrative in Acts 1 uh, takes place actually 40 days after his resurrection. And so uh, it was actually in the company of his disciples, and there was a crowd of witnesses of 500. And we see a reference of that in 1 Corinthians 15, 6. So this was Jesus' plan all along to ascend into heaven and we're going to explore a couple of things this morning because I think sometimes people uh, may think, well, Jesus, why didn't you just stay around? Wouldn't it have been better if you would have stayed around? We're going to explore that. But uh, let's look at this passage here. In fact, um, before we hold your place there in Acts, we'll come back to that, okay? Hold your place there in Acts. And... Turn to Luke 9.51. I want to share this with you first. We need to understand that the ascension was a vital link in the chain of fulfilled prophecy that was promised in the Old Testament about the Messiah. In the ascension, Jesus returns to the Father and he was glorified, the final proof of his completed work. And now he waits for his return for the final victory that's going to come to this world. But let's look at Luke 9.51. The New American Standard Bible reads this, because we need to understand Jesus' mindset in approaching this time where he would be ascended. So when the days were approaching for his ascension, he was determined to go to Jerusalem. Now, it's interesting that he saw beyond the death that he was going to face on the cross. He saw even beyond the resurrection. He was looking to the ascension. Because that was really what was significant. And so Jesus determined in his heart that was his passion. That was the driving force because he saw this uh, event taking place in his life. And we see this uh, actually in the NIV version. Luke 9.51 reads a little bit differently, but I want to read that as well. It says, as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. I mean, he determined that in his heart. Now, let's look at Acts chapter 1 and actually read the account. Taking it up in verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him. Now, just get uh, for a moment, just picture this. The disciples are gathered there with him, and he gets them around him. And there's another crowd of people there because this is the resurrected Christ that's standing in the presence, not only of his disciples, but 
all these other people that have gathered in that crowd. What an amazing opportunity to witness this time of Jesus being actually alive, who was once dead and now is alive. And so just to set the backdrop of this account that we see in the book of Acts chapter 1, going on to verse, uh, the rest of verse 6, they ask him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So now think about the mindset of these disciples. They were looking for Jesus. Okay, you're going to dethrone Herod, and you're going to set up the kingdom of God. You're going to rule and reign. You're going to overturn the tyranny of of this foreign government that has been controlling and dominating Israel. And you're going to be our king. You're going to be king of Israel. And you're going to rule this nation. And so that was their mindset because Jesus was born a king. He was born king of the Jews. So they automatically were thinking, okay, now's the time. When are you going to do this? Right now? Okay, this is a good opportunity. We got a good crowd here, you know, of support. But notice verse 7. He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. In other words, he says, just hold it. Now's not the time. And then it goes on to say in verse 8, But you will receive power from the Holy Spirit or when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the end of the earth. So Jesus makes a shift of their focus and attention to what he's about to do by sending the Holy Spirit, okay? Going on in verse 9, it says, and when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. Imagine that. I mean, like, Jesus, uh, what are you doing? Where are you going? Okay, this is cool. We're witnessing the, a supernatural event right here, but you're leaving us. Don't go. You know? And so uh, now God sent some angels to comfort the disciples in that crowd of onlookers. And so... In verse 9, when he had said these things, okay, looking up, he was lifted up. And then verse 10, and while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Wow. Now, we, we understand that Jesus' ascension was a literal bodily return to heaven. And it took these two angels to get their attention. Okay, now, look over here now, because we have something else that we need to be focusing on. He's going to come back the same way he left. But there's a mission and a commission for you to do. There's an assignment that needs to be addressed. And so, uh, now, in this account in Acts, Jesus promised his followers that they would soon receive the Holy Spirit. And he instructed them actually to remain in Jerusalem until the Spirit had come. So I have three points I want to share with you concerning the ascension of Jesus Christ. And we title this or these questions, what is the impact of his ascension? Number one, his ascension made it possible for the Holy Spirit to come. And we want to spend, I'm going to spend probably the bulk of my time talking about this point one, 
Why did he have to leave? I mean, that's the question. I, when I read this, you know, I, I asked myself. And maybe you ask yourself, why did he have to leave? Uh, some would reason that it would have been better if he would have stayed. Could you imagine if Jesus would still be here? You could go to Jerusalem and visit him. You could go to his, his church service or his meeting. Maybe he would be on, on public media where you could actually, yeah, Jesus has something to say. Okay, let's listen. He's, he's on the radio right now. He's on TV right now. You know, but Jesus, he could only be in one place at one time. So I'm sure he would be mobbed many times in public. He probably couldn't, you know, get around too well because everybody would come and want his autograph and who knows what, you know. Uh, but uh, so we could make the argument, yeah, Jesus, think about how many people would believe and accept you if you were still in this earth. Uh, what greater testimony than to have a resurrected Messiah with the holes, nail holes in his hands and, the, uh, and his feet and, and the spirit on the side. And here's Jesus. Behold, the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world to see him. Then more people would believe. Well, Jesus made it clear to Thomas, didn't he? He said, blessed are those who believe and haven't seen. Because faith is, is, is extending uh, beyond what you see with your physical eyes. Faith is something that comes from the heart. It's accepting and embracing a truth that God's established. And so faith is the real thing. It's a real deal, okay? Now, uh, you know, John, turn to John 16, 7 and 8, because Jesus actually addressed his disciples in this regard of, of having to tell them that he was going to leave them or depart from them. And so... Um, now, the good thing is he, he, he left, but he promised he's going to come back. We're going to find out about that next week. Uh, but certainly, you know, if somebody announced to me that they were leaving, you know, we're going to miss them. Okay, you know, you love them. You know, I can remember a time um, that I was leaving for Africa. and We, we actually met at church here, and, and there were the team of people that were going to Africa. We all got together, and all the families were together of those that were going to Africa. We were going to drive down to Chicago, get on the airplane, fly over there. And I can remember at that time, uh, Daniel and Nathan, the, the girls were pretty small, you know, so I don't think they were affected as much. But the image I have in my mind is Daniel and Nathan literally crying, saying, Dad, don't go, don't go, don't leave us, don't leave us. And I'm thinking, don't do that to me. Don't do that to me. I, I have this mission, that, this assignment from God, and I must go, but I will come back to you. And I can remember saying that and thinking, oh, this kind of relates to another story I read in the Bible. Uh, so... Jesus had a mission that he could not deny. And as much as he would have wanted to stay, he couldn't stay because he had to fulfill a higher purpose that God had for him at that very moment. So let's look at John 16, verse 7 and 8. He said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. Now, that wouldn't have ministered comfort to my sons, I tell you what. <laughs> but, you know, unless I say, I'm coming back with presents, okay? I'll bring back in Africa a giraffe or, or, or whatever, elephant or giraffe. Not a real one, folks, you know, the wood carving ones, okay? Anyway, I tell you the truth, it is your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper, that's in reference to the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. 
And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. So we see very clearly that Jesus was telling his disciples that it's better that he go, went away. See, this is where many believers miss it. And, 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 you know, we can argue the point, Jesus, you should have stayed. But he didn't. Because you need to understand when Jesus received the Holy Spirit, Jesus operated as a man anointed by the Spirit of God. And so it was in his ascension that he was able to release the Holy Spirit's anointing that was upon his life upon the church, which gave birth to the church. The 120 that were gathered in that room on the day of Pentecost received the mantle, the anointing of the Holy Spirit that Jesus walked in, which infused believers with the same power that Jesus had. Now that's uh, just wrapping it up in a little nutshell there. But so let me say this. Could it be that we'd minimized the impact or underestimated the role of the Holy Spirit in this earth? If it was so important that Jesus said, I got to go, because if I don't go, the helper won't come, the Holy Spirit won't come, and you need the Holy Spirit to be able to succeed and fulfill what I've called you to do. Now, we see Luke's account. because Luke also wrote the book of Acts. So when you read uh, the book of Luke, if you go right through Acts, it just kind of follows through. The same author was anointed by the Spirit of God to pen both books. But in the closing uh, verses of Acts chapter, or Luke chapter 24, Luke 24, verses 15, 51, it reads, And he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. Now, it doesn't appear, folks, that they were too depressed to me that he left. Right? And so they weren't depressed, they weren't downcast, but they were living with anticipation and expectation of what Jesus promised, that he was going to send the Holy Spirit to them. Now, that was a powerful thing. And so we see it played out in Acts chapter 2. If you want to just go back to Acts, and we'll turn to the second chapter there, starting in verse 32. It says... This Jesus, God raised up, and of all that we are witnesses, in other words, we're witnesses, we saw it with our own eyes, we can attest to you that this is the way it happened. Verse 33, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, now this was after the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost, so we, we actually jumped ahead, uh, because Acts 2.4 is the Holy Spirit came and fell upon them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. They had that encounter of God's infusion upon those believers that were gathered in that moment. It goes on to say, um, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. There was that encounter, that, there was a unique experience that was happening at that moment. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. So in that ascension, now he is officially the Lord and Christ ascended into his rightful place to be on the throne where he rules at this very moment, the ruler of the universe. 
Now, you might say, uh, and there's another reference. We can look at John chapter 7, verse 37 through 39. Again, Jesus is standing. It's a feast day, and he's looking at the crowds, and he's seeing the ceremony. He's seeing the emptiness. He's seeing the dead, dry religion, and he sees that the people are going through the motions, and they're not having a real experience or encounter with God. And so he begins to actually cry out because his heart is yearning to see people encounter the presence of God. Okay? So in, in, in verse 37, in John chapter 7, it says, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and he cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, you say, what is that all about, rivers of living water? Well, he explains it in verse 39. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. Okay, so this is speaking of the future, of the time after Jesus ascended, where they would receive the Holy Spirit, okay? And yet, for as yet the Holy Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. See, the ascension, in fact, was when Jesus was glorified. And there's a difference between, uh, and we understand because I, I think some of you might think, well, didn't Jesus breathe on his disciples and say, receive the Holy Spirit? Yes, that was receiving the work of the Holy Spirit in the new birth. But the infilling and the anointing and the endowment of the power of God came upon believers on the day of Pentecost after Jesus ascended into heaven. And so now when we think about this, Jesus made this amazing statement in John chapter 14, verse 12. Because it, it, you know, I can remember the first time I read this Bible. I mean, read this verse. Yeah, read this Bible. The first time I read John 14, 12, I had to stop. And I couldn't go any further because when I read that, I thought, God, if this is true, something is missing in the body of Christ. Something is missing among believers that we need to consider. John 14, 12, Jesus says, truly, truly. Now, we shared with you the last couple of weeks. Anytime he says, truly, truly, you better listen. And this is important. Truly, truly. Now, and some of you as parents, you have ways of making something very clear that it's important that you need to listen. Now, uh, Deb always would tell me, okay, stop what you're doing and listen. And then she'll take it the next step. Now, tell me what I just said. Because that's the only way she's going to know that I really heard what she's saying. And, and it works. I may not like it. I mean, you're treating me like a kid. Well, um, sometimes I act like a kid, so I need to be treated like a kid, right? Or a child, I should say. But So John 14, 12, Jesus, again, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes, do we have any whoever believers out there? Whoever believes in me, so Jesus saying, if you believe in me, will do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do. Notice, because I'm going to the Father. See, I have to go to the Father, and then you can do the works that I do, and even greater works. Now, you might say, what's greater than opening blinded eyes? What's greater than raising somebody from the dead? What's greater than all these wonderful miracles that Jesus did? Well, it may not be greater in quality, 
but it certainly is greater in quantity. Because where there was one Jesus, now there are believers everywhere that are anointed with his power to do his works. And that's, so that's point number one, okay? You got point number one? What is the impact of his ascension? His ascension made it possible for the Holy Spirit to come. And Acts 1.8 says we receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon us to be his witnesses, to demonstrate his power and his love. Number two, we have a representative in heaven for us. We have a representative in heaven for us. Now, it's great. I mean, I believe it's important for you to uh, contact your representative, your state assemblyman, your state senator, or your congressman. And, you know, it's okay. You can build a relationship with them. And it's good that, that you can say, I have a representative in Washington for me. I have a representative in Madison for me. You know, they're, they're working on my behalf to, to address my concerns. But all of us as believers can say, we have a representative in heaven for us. And that's what Jesus, the ascension, made possible. In Romans chapter 8, verse 34, as we read into the verse, it says, Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, was raised and is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. The present-day ministry of Jesus Christ at the right hand of the Father on the throne of God is that of intercession. He's interceding for you. He's praying for you. He's going to battle for you. I mean, when I think about that, I think, how can we get depressed how can we, you know, you know, stub your toe or something, break a, ladies, you break your fingernail or nail or whatever. It ruins your day. Like, oh, man, you know, I don't have that problem in breaking my nails. So. <laughs> we'll just keep going. Forget I said that. <laughs> anyway, where was I? We have a representative in heaven for us. We do. See, he ascended to heaven to appear before God on our behalf as our mediator. And we see that in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. I love this passage. For there is one God, 1 Timothy 2, 5, there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Folks, it's not Buddha. You know, it's not any other religious figure of human history. It's Jesus. He is the meter. He's the only one that raised from the dead. He's the only one that ascended to heaven. He's the only one that can go to battle for you and me. See, we, you don't have to turn there, but Hebrews 9.15 says, he is the mediator of a new covenant. Number three, point number three, the impact of his, of his ascension. And this is where it's going to maybe come home a little more to you and relating to you and what you do with your life. His ascension was so that he could give gifts to mankind with the intent to carry on his work. And we kind of covered that a little bit with the, with the ministry of the Holy Spirit working in us, but this is in reference to him giving gifts. We see in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8 through 12, this also addresses the ascension and the impact of the ascension. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8 through 12 says, Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, so this is in reference to his ascension, 
he led a host of captives. In other words, he emptied those that were being on, on hold, waiting for redemption to come, waiting for the price to be paid, for the shed blood of Jesus to, to pay the price to release mankind from their sins. He led a host of captives. And then notice what it says. And he gave gifts to men. Gifts to men? Okay, what are these gifts? Well, let's read on. In saying he ascended, what does it mean that, but that he also descended into the lower regions, the, the earth? Verse 10, he who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Now, some people may not believe that Jesus went to hell, but he went to hell and paid the price for our sins and to release those that were captive and waiting that had put their faith on the Messiah that was to come. The Bible speaks of Abraham's bosom, a place, a compartment in hell that was reserved for those who were waiting the redemption of Jesus to be fulfilled. But notice these gifts. Verse 11, and he gave some, again, the context of this is gifts. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds or pastors or teachers to equip, equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. So he gave gifts, these gifts that reside in, in human beings. See, God has given you a gift to reach the unreached. Now that gift may be pastoral. That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a pastor. That gift may be prophetic. That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a prophet. But these are gifts that God places in us to help equip, to help perfect his body so that he can work out what he wants to do in the earth. You see, you see the, the ascension of Christ and the consequent outpouring of the Spirit made possible the numerous gifts of the Spirit that the church enjoys. The gifts of the Spirit we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, they're listed there. The working of miracles, the ministry of, of healing, the ministry of miracles, and all those gifts we, we see at work. Do you think God wants to do something through our lives? I believe He does. And not only do gifts reside in us, but we are gifts. I can remember the first time I, I saw this plaque that was in the store, and it had my name on it. And it had the meaning of my name on it. It says, Matthew, a gift of God. And I thought, well, that's nice. Thank you, Mom. I'm a gift from God. I can remember, I'm a gift from God. And, and you know, that kind of stuck with me. I thought, okay, Sometimes I may not be wrapped in maybe the best packaging, but yet I am a gift of God to somebody, hopefully to my wife, hopefully to my family, hopefully to all of you as a pastor and leader. You know, that's, that's, a, that's resident in me or resonates in me that I'm a gift of God. And you, that's a message I want you to receive today, that you are a gift from God. When you allow him to do a work in you, you are a gift from him to minister to others. As we close this service this morning, I want to ask you the question, what kind of impact will the ascension have upon your life? What is it you need that you need to be set free from that's holding you back? What is limiting you 
It's time to rise up in ascension power. It's time to be lifted from the pit of despair. It's time to be lifted from sin, lifted from bondage, from the yoke of slavery, to lift it to a place where you can be that gift that he's intended you to be. See, sometimes we live life so selfishly, but we're here to serve. We really are. And God will empower us to do so. I want you to close your eyes for just a moment. And I want you to consider this question as I appeal to you in an invitation to receive Jesus as the Lord of your life. Now, I know many of you have made a very meaningful commitment to Christ. But I'm addressing those that may not have. Maybe you're hearing you say, you know, Pastor, my life is not really right, right with God. If, if, you, if someone were to ask me if I'm walking with God, I'd have to look at them and not really know what to say. Because some of you can't say I'm walking with God. Some of you can't say I'm really living for Christ. Because you haven't surrendered your heart to Him. You haven't invited Him in to be the Lord of your life. In fact, if you were to die, maybe there's uncertainty where you would go. Do you really know where you would go? Whether it be heaven or hell? Maybe you think, well, I'm a pretty good person. Well, that doesn't matter that you're a pretty good person. What matters is have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior? See, it's a matter of making Jesus what he did personal in your life. You can have all the head knowledge, but until it becomes personal to you, it's really meaningless. And so I'm going to ask you this morning, if, if you're here and you say, Pastor Matt, I don't know that my life is right with God, but I'm ready to surrender and give my heart to him today. Just slip up your hand and we're going to just lead in the prayer and you, you'll join in that prayer with us. Anyone today, just slip up your hand and we'd be honored to pray with you and for you. Let's stand together this morning. As we bring this service to a close, I, I want to lead you in a prayer. If you responded to that invitation to receive Jesus as the Lord of your life, I want you to pray this prayer after me. But I, I don't want you to just say the words. I want you to embrace the words from your own heart so that they're real to you and that they're meaningful from your heart. Repeat after me, Heavenly Father. I come to you today in the name of Jesus to surrender my heart, to surrender my life to you. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. I believe that he is raised from the dead, that he ascended on high for me. Lord Jesus, I put my faith in you. I trust you as my Savior and Lord. Forgive me for my sins and make my life what you want it to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to The Refuge Podcast. To find out more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages, you can visit us online at wearerefuge.net.